This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. So welcome to Hour 2. Coming up at the bottom, Jason Buchla is going to stop by from Sportsnet.ca where him and Sam Cosentino have their uh, their mock draft top 16 stunner. Spoiler, Hunter Bernard goes first overall. Adam Fantilli, number two. Really, you can make the argument the draft starts at three, although I don't know it would be um, beyond the realm of possibility that maybe Anaheim goes with Leo Carlson. Uh, we'll talk to Jason about that coming up at the bottom of the hour. Meantime, uh, Elliot Friedman uh, joins me to kick off hour two. Hello, Fridge. How are you? Hey, how you doing, Jeff? Thanks for uh, moving me for the uh, hour. Oh, yeah, no problem. Listen, you had, trust me, much more pressing and important things to do than uh, come along here and be part of my little act. Um, but I do want to ask you about about last night, and I want to get to the Edmonton-Vegas game in a couple of seconds. Um, I do want to ask you about Gabriel Landeskog and that unfortunate news that we all got today. But I want to start about yeah. Connor Bedard and the Chicago Blackhawks. And, you know, just talking to Mark Lazarus from The Athletic a second ago and, you know, what this does to the market and, you know, yet another era of the Blackhawks. You know, the previous era really began as as tacky as it might sound to say, the last era began when Bill Wirtz passed away and the games were on TV and Taves and Kane and the Hawks win in 2010. Uh, and all of this, of, of course, as, as we all know, you know, now has an ugly cloud over it uh, because of the Kyle Beach um, scandal uh, and, and sexual assault. But this is the next, the next birth of the Chicago Blackhawks here. What do you think comes along with Connor Bedard as a Blackhawk, knowing that, you know, everyone from that last era on the ice is gone? Um, mm-hmm. Jonathan Taves, as we talked about before, you know, the captain goes down with his ship. He was the last Blackhawk skating from that era. What happens now with Connor Bedard and the Blackhawks? Um, well, I mean, I think like a lot of people, I have a lot of mixed feelings about it. Um, like, look, like the Blackhawks were very happy to push out last night that they did millions of dollars in ticket sales and, and they're going to push a new era. And their fans are obviously excited. As you said, it's a, it's a franchise-altering win for them. Um, and, and it is. I mean, this guy, we talked about it going in, about how last night was going to single-handedly change the fortunes of a franchise. And... It absolutely did. I'm, I'm really happy for Luke Richardson. Um, you know, I remember when Luke Richardson yes. got that job, you know, there were a lot of people who were really happy to see him getting uh, an NHL coaching job because he'd wanted one for so long. And people really liked Richardson a great deal. And if there was anything people felt bad for him about, it was a team that was set up to lose for a long time. Well, you know, a, a year... He puts in a year. The team plays hard. I mean, they knocked out. They basically knocked the Pittsburgh Penguins out of the playoffs on the second last night of the regular season or the third last night of the regular season. Um, and now he gets this player dropped on his lap. It's a, it's a, it's a great thing for Richardson. But like you know, I, I like I you know I think I'm like a lot of people. I think that uh, you know there's there's some definitely some mixed emotions about it because of Kyle Beach, and I'm sure for. Some people out there, it was kind of painful. Um, but that's the legacy that they have, and that's the way it is. Um, I think a lot of us feel the exact same way, too. Uh, I think um, it, it is a... 
It is a, a, a very complicated situation, um, and I'm like you. I thought that the – listen, uh, personally, I thought the punish, punishment should have been stiffer. Not that it matters anymore. The, that punishment was already meted out, and me grousing about it's not going to change. But I don't think I'm in the minority that you know a lot of people wanted uh, something more significant than a $2 million fine. Uh, I think a lot of people feel that they shouldn't have even been in the position to be in the lottery in the first place um, mm-hmm. because of everything that happened. And I understand all of those feelings um, and sentiments. I think I think a lot of people are in the same boat here. Um, I think everybody what do you does. See Kyle Davidson, I I don't disagree. Um, what do you think Kyle Davidson does here? You know, the the one example that I that I've sort of pointed to, which is probably an obvious one is when the Pittsburgh Penguins won the lottery. And the minute they got Sidney Crosby, they started signing players. And as many, you know, uh, talented free agents as they could to help insulate Crosby, uh, make his transition into the NHL as as seamless as possible. Uh, I know it's not exactly the deepest free agent pool right away uh, this offseason, but what do you see Kyle Davidson doing? And listen, they have $41 million, according to Cap Friendly, worth of cap space to play with. You know, what do we see the Blackhawks doing this offseason as Connor Bedard is about to enter the NHL chat? Well, I thought he played it really close to the vest last night. Um, you know, I thought it was really interesting that he wouldn't even commit to making um, making Bedard the number one pick, even though he, we know he's going to be the number one pick. Um, it kind of reminded me of Gar Snow with John Tavares. Um, the, the, you know, it was, what, 2007, I guess it was, when... He just said, "Look, like I'm not." Yeah. When he said, I, "I knew, I knew who the pick was going to be the whole time, but I simply wasn't telling anybody." And um, I know that the league really prefers that. They want you to save the excitement for draft night. Um, they don't want you to reveal it, um, even though I don't think Jeff. There's a lot of suspense, and I think that plan is going to unfold over the next little while. Like. Um, you know, I, I thought Davidson played it really close to the vest last night. Obviously, if you take a look at the, the stories that were coming out about ticket sales, the fans are, are very excited. And um, I think they'll obviously they'll go out and get some players who they think can play with them and they think can help them. But I don't know if, like, if you remember when Crosby got to, when Crosby got to Pittsburgh, you know, it still took a couple years. Um Yep. And and if you and if you look oh, yeah. at that Chicago team, like they've really cleared the decks. They don't have a lot of long term contracts there. They've really cleared the decks, and so that says to me that he, as great as Bedard looks, like he's going to be, and he's going to be really good, Jeff. I think the Blackhawks mm-hmm. recognize that saying, "Okay, we're contending right now," is crazy. I still, this is still going to have to be a process for them. Uh, absolutely, and you know, I'm going to ask you about expectations here in a second. But I, I do understand Kyle Davidson coming short of saying they're taking Connor Bedard. I, I get that for yeah. a couple of reasons. One, uh, for the reason that you mentioned, the NHL frowns on that. I'm not too, I'm not too certain that you know the NHL was necessarily tickled pink with the scene Stamkos campaign that Tampa ran before they uh, drafted Stephen Stamkos first overall. Um, but two, even even just like why everybody knows they're taking Connor Bedard, but why close a trade door before you have to? Like, I don't know if there's a trade package out there that's going to make Kyle Davidson pause and say, hmm, maybe we should trade the first overall pick. 
but why not even why not keep those doors open just to see what comes back? Like I don't know what type of, type of package oh, it would on. even take. This would be Eric Lindros territory, but even just to see what the conversations would be like and where those conversations lead and how they could lead to something else. I don't disagree with Davidson, you know, uh, you know, uh, not firmly saying we're taking Bedard. I would if I were him, listen to everything and listen to every offer. You know, I got to tell you, so I was watching some first take clips the other week and Stephen A. Smith was like saying uh, um, to like, he was saying that if the Warriors beat the Lakers, then Steph Curry takes LeBron James off the Mount Rushmore of basketball. And I think it was Jason Williams who looked at Stephen A. and said, like, lay off the weed, man. I don't know, Jeff, you've had some crazy (laughs) stuff lately about the Blackhawks. Like offer sheeting uh, Gustafson, Philip Gustafson, and now this. Yes. No way. Correct. No way, yes. Merrick. No. Yes. No way. Yeah. They're not trading this pick. They just uh, Jeff. They I... sold what three million in tickets last night. Could you imagine if they traded them now? Uh, listen. All I'm saying is, you know what trade conversations are like. It's a phone call about one thing that turns into another. If I'm Kyle Davidson. I understand it from the from the NHL's point of view, and I understand it from Davidson. Just see what comes back. Just see, just see, just see the phone calls that are out there. What's the harm in that? Uh, apparently, I, I heard a story actually about a year ago that in one of the big drafts recently, where like, I, I don't know if it was the McDavid draft or there was, it was the Matthews draft, but apparently the team that had the number one overall pick like five minutes before they were picked, when they were getting on the clock, like it was coming down to the end, and a GM called the team, another GM called the team with the number one pick just to see if they could make like a last-second offer. And apparently the GM picked yeah. up the phone and said, and said, what are you, like a complete idiot? They didn't even speak to they didn't say hello, because you could see what team's <laughs> calling you, right? So it's like, what are you, some yeah. kind of idiot? Like, you think I'm going to do that now? And he slammed down the phone. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, okay, having said that, one of our favorite things to do is go back and, and, and look at trade proposals. And whether it's, you know, yeah. the Minnesota North Stars offering every pick to Eddie Johnson for Mario Lemieux. Or whether it's the Quebec Nordiques and uh, offering uh, the Stastny's and I think five more players in exchange for the first overall pick for for Mario Lemieux. Uh, The Montreal Canadiens made a similar offer for Mario Lemieux. Uh, Ron McLean did some excellent work around the Eric Lindros deal and who offered what. Uh, which was some real compelling television, some of the, uh, some some excellent work there by Ron. All I'm saying is, you know, offers are going to come in. So why shut the door? That's all. Um, yeah, remember okay. Islanders offering things. their entire draft for Ryan Murray. Uh, yes, correct. And I remember, I remember, um, I remember Mike Milbury told me he offered, and he wouldn't tell me which draft it was. But he told me that uh, when he was with the Islanders, they offered the St. Louis Blues every single one of their picks in exchange for their pick. And he just wouldn't tell me what year it was. But well, I wonder if that was anyhow, the year they took Derek um, Johnson. 
Well, that's what I wondered about too. And even even still, that's probably. I mean, you remember what Eric Johnson was? Uh, you know how highly yep. touted he was, specifically after the World Juniors that year. Everyone thought that you know here's the next you know future Hall of Fame defenseman, Eric Johnson. So if I'm uh, if I'm the Blues at that point, I'm saying to myself, yeah, uh, with all due respect, Mike, thanks, but uh, but still not enough uh, for the caramel secrets. Um, you know, I asked Lazarus this, and he, and he said no. I'm curious, and again, I've I've had zero conversations with you know Pat Brisson about any of this. But um, do you think that there's any way this changes the Chicago Blackhawks and the relationship with Patrick Kane? I uh, know, I don't, I don't, I I, uh, I I don't I don't get that sense. I mean, I could always be wrong, Jeff, but I really don't get that sense mm-hmm. at all. Like. Patrick Kane wanted to stay, and uh, just like Jonathan Taves, they made it very clear that wasn't going to be happening. So um, I, I I don't think that changes, changes anything at all. All right. Uh, other stories. Gabriel Landeskog, uh, next season done. Cartilage transplant of his right in his right knee. Uh, surgery is scheduled for tomorrow. He will miss the entire season. Uh, hopefully his recovery goes well and we cross our fingers and say best case scenario, uh, we now have the leading candidate for the Bill Masterton Trophy in 2025. Um, going into next season, you know, the Colorado Avalanche now have some certainty uh, and they know they have this cap space money to play with. How do you think the Avalanche react here? Well, I, I think the I think he gives them a year to do like especially a year where the cap isn't going very far. Like Jeff, one of the things that's going on right now is that Marty Walsh. Actually, I'm glad I was your question reminded me of this. So Marty Walsh is meeting with the agents for the first time. Uh, yesterday it was New York. I think later this week is Los Angeles, and next week they're in Toronto. And from what I understand, uh, he's making it very clear that. It's very unlikely the cap's going to go up by more than a million. And so mm-hmm. um, basically what this means is Colorado now, and off-season long-term is a bit trickier, but at least in the season, they're going to be able to have some flexibility if they go right to the cap before putting Landeskog on long-term injured reserve. It's going to give them some ability to yeah. do some things. Um, you know, Landeskog, I noted, I remember in his media conference, he says career is not over. He was refusing to look at it like this is it. So I hope he's right. I hope he's back in a year. Like basically the way it was explained to me was whatever damage has caught, got happened to him, it's basically created like a hole around his knee. And that's the thing that they have to fix. So... That's, you know, that's kind of what we're dealing with here. Um, But Mm. at the very least, what it does, Jeff, is for one year, and it's a year where the cap's not going to go up very much, uh, there's, you know, it just sounds like it's going to give the Avalanche some flexibility for a year to do something. Yeah. Listen, this is still an Someone was just yelling go lease at me as they were driving by. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, at least someone in Toronto is being positive about this hockey team. I guess you can sort of take solace in that. It's, if someone's going to yell something at you about the Toronto Maple Leafs, I didn't expect it would be that uh, with this team down 3 nothing. Uh, one more point here on the, on the Avalanche. I mean, I think that they're going to be one of the more um, interesting teams to follow. There's now this Gabriel Landeskog situation. 
Um, there's the Valeri Nachushkin situation. Um, there is Nathan McKinnon, whose contract um, goes to a different stratosphere next year. There's contracts coming off the books as well. There's a there's a lot of business um, that, yes. that Chris McFarland has to do here uh, with this with this Avalanche team. They're going to be one of the more intriguing ones. Um, how aggressive do you think they'll be on the, on the trade market? I mean, I, one of the things that we've looked at with the Avalanche is, you know, they need to win while the McKinnon, you know, $6 million dollar window is open. That's about to leap forward. And this is still an elite-level team. And this team still has Nathan McKinnon, Rantanen, and, you know, Kale McCarr and Bo Byram, etc. Do you think they'll be aggressive in the trade market at all? Well, I think that also depends on I, – I, I would expect them to be. Jeff, the, the short answer is yes. I also think it's going to be interesting to see like what Byram, his number is going to turn out to be. Because he's up, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, I, I think they have tried to extend Byram, and they just haven't been able to get to a place where everybody agrees. So for me, the first question becomes, what's Byram's next deal look like? So, you know, it, it's like we're looking at all these situations here. And I think, for example, in Winnipeg, Hellebuck is the first domino, and everything kind of goes from there. Uh, I think in Colorado, Boehm is, Byron is probably the first domino, and that probably says a lot about what else they can do. So, um, you know, that's the kind of thing I'm looking for. Um, I, I would expect them to be active just because that's the way they are. They are very active. They do tend to be aggressive when they think they have a good team. And so, and they do have a good mm-hmm. team. So I expect nothing to change there. But to me, it's, it, it goes from Byram first and then we see where it goes. Uh, to the game last night. And, and by the way, here we are 20 minutes or so deep into a conversation about hockey on this May the 9th. And we haven't mentioned the game from last night or the games this evening, but it's been uh, one of those days. Uh, how did you, how did you see Vegas and Edmonton? last night and you know many people have have made the point and probably rightfully so that Edmonton is a different team when they you know when they don't get their power play catnip you know before the party when they don't have their their catnip before the party starts here well I think the thing is though like I thought where that game really got decided was early you know Dreisaitl hit the post and Brassois made a couple of huge saves on him like you know it, it seems tough to you know, be in any way remotely, even the softest possible criticism that those didn't go in when the guy's scoring a billion goals a game. But I think that really yeah. changed the game. Like, I, I think if, if one of those goes in, it's a very different game. And before Brassois got hurt, you know, he, he made a couple of big plays there that I think really saved the game for Vegas. And then Vegas got going, and, you know, they were a much better team. So far... For most of five-on-five, they've been dominating them in this series. And I thought that happened again last night. I thought they were the better team five-on-five. And, you know, the other thing, too, is I thought that, you know, Cassidy really really went after them for the way game two went. He thought they got bullied. And I just thought it was really interesting at the end of the first period, you know, when Kane went after Petrangelo, all of a sudden there were four guys on Kane. Because they, they knew that right he away. had bullied them. They, they knew that he'd bullied them. I, I thought it was really interesting. I thought I thought Eichel um, was really good last night. Like, I don't think it's a coincidence that in the two games Vegas has won this series, 
Eichel's been really noticeable. And the one game they lost, he was very quiet. Like, they, if they're going to beat Edmonton in this series, and I still think this is going to be a long series, they need Eichel. They need Eichel to be noticeable in every game. And I don't think it's a big surprise that they're two and one based on the way Eichel's been. Now, but now it's, but now it's Aiden Hill series. And you know, again in Edmonton, I think they go back with Skinner. I think they were kind of hoping the way yep. Skinner played in Game Two, he made a lot of big saves, even though they weren't a ton of shots. That this was over. They have to go back to Campbell last night. You know, Hills now Vegas is down to their third goalie basically. Um, it's going to be interesting here. Like this is going to come down to also who gets saves. And I'm sure, you know, both of these teams are looking at this and saying, okay, who's going to, who's the guy who's going to make one more save than the other guy. You know, whenever, whenever I see non-contact injuries for goaltenders and you're probably the same, I always, I always think the worst. You know, Kelly, yeah, I, I, I will always defer, and I know you will too, to uh, to, to to Kelly Rudy on things like this. But when you see something like that from Brassois last, I mean, we've seen it just countless times. When it it looks like nothing, and the goalie reacts like that, you know it's bad. And here's someone that's had a marvelous return to the NHL. We've talked about the hip surgery, etc. He's been outstanding. Was great for them down the stretch. Um, I just hope for the best for that guy, man. But uh, as you mentioned, this is now Aiden Hills. Uh, series. So tonight, a pair of games. Carolina Hurricanes and the New Jersey Devils. Um, I don't think, although I don't know because I can't predict anything in these playoffs, I don't think we're going to see another 8-4 to four game. Um, but I do expect, considering that the New Jersey Devils have last change um, and Lindy Ruff can get Jack Hughes away from Jordan Stahl, I expect more of the same. I don't know if I'm going to call for four points, but more of the same from Jack Hughes. What do you look for tonight? It sounds like Lindy Ruff is going 11-7. Ryan Graves is going to be a game time. He's fighting through an upper body injury right now. And Luke Hughes is back in for the Devils on the back end. Well, I can't imagine they would be taking Luke Hughes out after that. Uh, like, yeah. you know, two assists, like you're not taking him out of that game. Um, you know, I, I, like, like I said, I, I think... I thought the obviously the Devils were really great. I think Jack Hughes has become one of my favorite players to watch in the league. Um, you know, the Hurricanes have been challenged by their head coach. He said, you guys were no good in game three, and I expect them to be a lot better tonight. I think they're, um, you know, I think they're really, uh, I think their, their pride will be stung. You know, what's interesting is that um, if you take a look at the minutes that he, that Jack Hughes played in Game Three, the Devils took advantage of home ice. He saw a lot less of Jordan Stahl than he did in the first two games of the series in Carolina. Even though I thought in Game Two, the one where the Hurricanes blew them out, Hughes was actually pretty good. So again, can the Devils keep the advantage in terms of keeping Hughes away from Stahl? Although I again, I don't think Hughes is afraid of the challenge and. I just think in this series, again, this is another one of those series, Jeff, where it's going to come down to mm-hmm. who gets saves. Like, who is getting yeah. saves? I know some, uh, like, the Blackwood thing I brought up yesterday was a bit misinterpreted. Somebody said I thought that I said that he was going to play tonight. I don't think he was going to play tonight, but I do think it's not impossible we see him if New Jersey doesn't turn this around. 
we will uh, we'll, we'll stay tuned for that. Um, Florida, Seattle, or at Florida, Seattle. Sorry, I'm thinking of something else here. Um, Seattle Are you tonight. Of Stanley um, Cup final, Florida, the... Seattle. Jeff, is that your prediction? Well, okay. Hang on a second here. So you know why I was thinking about that? Because I was on the morning show today, and they said, you know, give give us your sort of dream scenario final, and <laughs> you know, my first thought was. How much could I torture you? And so I thought to myself, okay, so the furthest distance between two teams and a Stanley Cup competing for the Stanley Cup would have been Ottawa and Dawson City in 1905. But then I thought, okay, so that's that. That's probably the record. But in the NHL, because that, that wasn't the NHL, obviously. Um, but in the NHL era of competing for the Stanley Cup, um, the longest distance between two teams would be Florida and Seattle. And so my answer was to torture my friend and colleague, Elliot Friedman. I want a Florida Seattle final here now, because that would be the longest distance just to make you live at airports longer. Elliot, how do you, how do you feel about a Florida Seattle final here? Well, first of all, I want everybody to know that this is the kind of person I work with. Like, people who say that Jeff is a really <laughs> nice guy, I want you all to listen no. to that answer. How how can I make life worse for my coworkers? Well, I'll wish them a terrible Stanley Cup final for travel. This is the person you all worship. Um, you know, I... Yeah, I, bad guy, I, bad guy. I got, I, got, I got to say, Jeff, like, I, I don't think Florida sales is that bad because there's no border involved. Like, I would say the toughest ones I ever worked True. Um, were, like, Edmonton, Edmonton, Carolina was a, was a long one and a border. Tampa, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Tampa, Calgary was a long one and a border. I mean, there were Canadian teams in the Stanley Cup Finals, so I loved it. Um, Boston, Vancouver, I actually, that was just such a, I, 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 you know, I don't mean it this way for the Vancouver fans, but it was a, such a fun Stanley Cup Final to work that nothing about that yeah. final bothered me. But the, like, I don't mind Florida, Seattle. Uh, it just, I, I just hate it when we have to go over a border. Sometimes that's the, that's the only thing. But you know, I'm looking at the morning skates. It looks like McCann was working on the power play. Hayskinen is taking the skate with a with a shield. Like I said on the pod the other day, I heard he was going to be all right and he was going to be able to play tonight. It certainly is trending in that direction. Yeah. Um, you know, like to me. <laughs> <laughs> to me, this series right now is Ottinger. Can he get back on the train? Because if uh, or back on the tracks? Because if he can't, Dallas isn't going to win. So yeah. Ottinger's got to get back to what he is. You know, just seeing the notes around about uh, the skates like you, and uh, the last thing I saw was no sprong on the ice for Seattle. Have you seen or heard different? I did not hear that. Uh, sprong probably got injured taping that message for you. He probably got violently ill. <laughs> that, <laughs> that love letter to kick off the podcast, that was lovely. Um, I, I don't disagree with you about Ottinger. Uh, game one, tough. Game two, bounce back. Game three, uh, got the hook. Uh, and that's why we, we saw Scott Wedgwood. Um, we'll see what happens with, with game four. But uh, as much as it is the, the Ottinger question, again, the, the health of Miro Haskinen. And I really hope for Dallas' sake that he's in because... Man, we talk about how valuable players are to their teams, and that Dallas Stars team, I know that Ottinger didn't do himself favors, specifically on the Susie goal, the Matty Beneers goal as well. But you take Haskinen out of that lineup, that is a very different Dallas Stars 
team. So we'll uh, we'll watch to see what happens this evening between these two. Um, do you notice anything? I mean, you just saw a fan drive by and say, go Leafs, go. This is the extra day off. So I, I looked at this uh, between the Florida Panthers and the Toronto Maple Leafs. I looked at this day, and I said, if there's going to be a pile-on day, it might be this one because it's the extra day rest for both teams here before the, the Panthers face off against the Leafs. How do you find this day in Toronto? Well, you know, the reason I was late today uh, for the show is that my son's school had a cookout. And, uh, you know, I was, I was helping, I was helping with the hot dogs and the, uh, s'mores, uh, Jeff, you know, because nice, that, that's, that's nice. what, that's what I do. I'm, I'm a hot dog and s'mores person, but you would not <laughs> believe like the teachers, they were all coming up yeah. and they were like, they were like, what do you think? Like my, like our family is distraught and. They'd be showing me pictures of them and their their partners, their husbands, their kids, all in leave jerseys, all those little boys and girls in their leave jerseys. And they're like, they all look so depressed. Like, they're like, this, like, I saw, I literally saw like three pictures. Like, this is us watching the last game and they look so depressed. And they're like, like, today is, oh, no. yesterday was the day of anger. Today, at least from the very small sample size of my kids' grade school, but today was the day of hope. Maybe we can do this. So I was just, you know, I was, you know, I was just being nice. I, there's always a chance. Like that's, uh, that's kind of the way I look at it. I see Sam Luke Fox just tweeted that Samsonov's not at practice today. So, I mean, uh, right. and whenever they say we have to have an MRI, I'd say it's really unlikely to begin with. But uh, I gotta yeah. think it's Wall and Wall and Murray tomorrow. Yeah, that's uh, the the tweet that I saw about halfway through our conversation here sort of indicated the same, that that's, uh, that's who's working with Curtis Sanford right now. So, okay. Um, so there we go. There we, uh, there we have it. Uh, two big games tonight. The New Jersey Devils look to pull even with the Carolina Hurricanes. And uh, we'll see the Jake Ottinger situation tonight for the Dallas Stars. Can he lead them uh, to victory tonight against the upstart Seattle Kraken, maybe the fastest team uh, in the playoffs right now? Thanks, Fridge. Back to your hot dogs and s'mores. Well, you know, I would just also say, Jeff, I, like we've been talking a little bit about Philly and them getting closer. I, I think there's a decent chance yes. it's this week. Um, I think Breer gets the interim tag removed, and then we see what else comes with him. But, uh, like, uh, like, uh, like all the chatter out there is it's, it's getting closer. So the so we were looking. For, I mean, we strongly suspected this from from the get go with Briere. But do we have you know one announcement, two announcements? Any, I, I, any idea what we're looking at here? I, I don't know. I, I think they I think they've really done a good job of locking it down a bit more. You know, I, obviously we know some of the people who interviewed. Not all of them. Uh, some of them. Some of the names yeah. have, haven't gotten out, but they've. You know, at the beginning, it got a bit messy because I think some of the people that they reached out to just to talk to got out. And I think they've done a much better job or, or tried to do a really good job of locking it down a bit more. So I don't want to guess, um, but it sure does sound like it's getting closer. Yeah, I don't like when I hear teams acting professionally like that and locking down names. I'm not <laughs> that LA. I don't think you are either. Um, okay, listen, enjoy your afternoon. Uh, the sun is still shining in Toronto. We'll see if it's still shining tomorrow uh, when they face off against the Florida Panthers. Nonetheless, uh, enjoy your afternoon, pal. We'll talk tomorrow. All right, buddy. Speak to you later. Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. 
like we kind of just live the torch for each other. And that's why I came up with Seattle and Florida for him. Just live in airports more. Just live in airports. We'll hit a break. Uh, come back with Jason Bukala from Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. One of our draft analysts, Books and Sammy Cosentino, have their mock top 16 out right now. Uh, Books put out his top 60 on the weekend, former director of amateur scouting for the Florida Panthers, now well, for the past couple of years uh, working with us here at Sportsnet. Uh, Jason Bukala in a moment on the Bedard phenomenon and what's next, not just for him, but for Chicago and for Anaheim and for Columbus and for San Jose, and for Montreal. Should I keep going? I think you get the point. Merrick's show continues across the Sportsnet Radio Network, simulcast on Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet Now. Back in a moment. 